Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure. Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome everyone to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and we are going to do Classical Studies 101 today, Chapter 20 of the Iliad. Um, as always, if you'd be so kind as to give us a lovely rating or a nice comment on whatever podcast platform you're using to listen to this, it'll help us reach more listeners, and we'd love to reach more people with these great stories. So we'll be talking Chapter 20 of the Iliad, and of course, our guide for today will be the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Hi. So, Gary, um, give us maybe a quick recap of where we were, where we are, I should say, where we were as of our last episode, which was Chapter 19. What have we just uh, seen, and what will Chapter 20 be like? Well, uh Chapter 19 was uh, uh, how Achilles and Agamemnon uh, reconciled before the assembly of the uh, Keans or the Greeks. Uh-huh. And then it talked how Achilles went forth with them to, uh, you know, with the army to do battle finally, you know, against the Gre- uh, Trojans. So the... The Greek team gets back together, and uh, the players, uh, using our sports analogy as always, the players have kind of worked the problems out, and now they're ready to take the field. Right. Okay. So what's Chapter 20 about? Chapter 20, you know, reading from this uh, old but nice translation I keep mentioning by uh, Lang, Leaf, and Myers, 1883. Their little synopsis says, How Achilles Made Havoc Among the Men of Troy. But the chapter's more than that. It's more about the gods interacting with the war. Oh, right. You We talked about this, and you had mentioned this to me. Uh, throughout this particular series, and also throughout the number of things we've talked about on this channel, the idea that the divine is so important to Greek mythology. It's the very, it's, it is the mythology, of course. But, uh, but to the Greek stories or the Greek epics uh, and legends, and that when they're shown often in today's, when they're, uh, they're portrayed in today's films and television shows, the divine element is often left out, as if to say, well, these are silly superstitions, let's push them aside. But as we were talking about, they're central to understanding the story, moving the story through, and also, frankly, they give it really its richness. So we're going to see the gods in, in stark relief in this chapter, is what you're saying. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. <clears throat> and then, uh, like you said, um, films don't properly present the story like, uh, you know, uh, the Brad Pitt, you know, mm-hmm. movie. The um, Troy, the, the Troy from, I yeah, think, Troy, um, we, we did it. It, it totally looked out the gods, and you can't do that. Well, it was even stranger, though, the episode we just did on Hercules, the Hercules movie. Uh, with The Rock, the great fun actor, The Rock, but they left the gods out of it. They spent most of that movie trying to explain away mythology as if people go to movies to see, you know, stories of great gods and goddesses explained away. They go to kind of 
take part in this other kind of world. So, yeah, yeah it's you, nice to... When you see a movie, you want escapism, and people don't care about whether you have mythology or not, but <clears throat> but I think what you and I are saying is if they put the mythology into those films, they'd be far more interesting. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> um, so, okay, so chapter 20. Yeah, chapter 20, and... Um, in fact, uh, contrary to what I just read you in the other translation, the uh, uh, Robert uh, Fagel's translation uh, mm-hmm. labels the chapter, you know, the title entitles the chapter. I should say, "Olympian Gods and Arms," not not focused on Achilles, right? <clears throat> and so, um, and then it, so it begins like this: So, by the beaked ships, the Argives or the Greeks formed for battle, arming around Achilles. Achilles starved for war. At the same time, from the peak of rugged-ridged Olympus, Mount Olympus, Zeus commanded Themis to call all the gods to council. So in other words, he's calling them all to his palace to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it it involves... um, uh, you know, he, he goes on to say they were summoned to the halls of Zeus who gathered storms and found their seats in the colonnades of polished stone. <clears throat> Excuse me, that Hephaestus bell. Now, Hephaestus was the uh, so-called god of fire because he worked in anvil and forge to create metal things, but he did much more than that. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he uh, like an architect, and he built the uh, palace of, of Zeus and the other gods, you know. And, and Homer says here, with craft and cunning. He was also the uh, lame god because he got thrown out of heaven, landed on his foot, made him lame. So he's like a handicapped or physically challenged god. Mm-hmm. Which I find very interesting. Have a god that way. It is. They have. They cover a lot of different types uh, of, of people and the different uh, people of different types or backgrounds. Maybe that's the best way to describe it. But different uh, different kinds of people that you would encounter in life are represented in, uh, also reflected in the Greek pantheon. Yeah. So he goes on to say that the uh, god of earthquakes, who also is the god of the sea, you know, Poseidon. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is that which another interesting god? We've talked about him before. How he has earthquakes, the sea, and horses, which I think makes him one of the more fascinating, uh, easily one of the most fascinating of the Greek gods. Yeah, just absolutely. The, the areas that he covers. Uh huh. And so, um, anyhow, he, uh, translation says, surging up from the sea, came to join their ranks, took a seat in the midst of, you know, Zeus's palace. And then he says, why now, great king of lightning, meaning Zeus, why summon the gods to counsel once again? Still some concern for Troy and uh, Greek armies, now that the battle is set to burst into flames between them? And uh, but Zeus uh, replied, god of the earthquake, well you know my plans, the strategy in my mind, and why I call you here. These mortals do concern me dying as they are, still here I stay on Olympus throned aloft. The rest of you go down to the Trojans, go to the Achaeans or the Greeks, 
help either side, as the fixed desire drives each god to act. If Achilles fights the Trojans unopposed by us, will they hold his breakneck force, you know, so on. Mm-hmm. And so you have the different gods supporting the different sides, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that command, Zeus roused incessant battle. Down the immortals launched to the field of action. Their warring spirits split the gods in two ways. Hera, she's the queen of the gods, Zeus's wife, mm-hmm. went to the ships with Athena, the goddess of wisdom and defensive war. Poseidon and Hermes, who he, uh, is referred to as the god of luck, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and the god of fire, meaning Hephaestus, um, hobbling along on his shrunken legs, moved nimbly. But Ares swept down to the Trojans, his helmet flashing, and Artemis showering arrows, Leto and River Xanthus, and the goddess Aphrodite, strong with eternal laughter. She's always called the laughter-loving goddess, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and along with Ares is uh, the, the lesser god called Strife, the mighty driver of armies. And then Athena was bellowing her stunning war cry, standing now at the edge of the deep trench uh, outside the rampart. See, the Greeks built a fence around their ships, and they dug a deep trench so the Trojans couldn't drive their chariots right up to the fence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's what uh, she was doing, uh, yelling her war cry, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but Ares was bellowing his cry, uh, you know, for the Trojans, turning black as a whirlwind. I thought that's an interesting reference. So the blissful gods were rousing both opposing armies, clashing in front of them. So we've got the lineup of the gods. I, just yesterday, we had Don and I had done an episode, Don Sam Alden, who's on the Make Me Cherokee Great Again podcast. We did an episode uh, talking about some of the goddesses, and uh, we talked about Artemis. And Artemis was on the side of the Trojans. Um, so it's it's interesting to see how the, the gods line up. It's almost like I, I look at it almost like a superhero comic when you'd have the two different superhero teams lining up against each other. Um, so we've got Artemis, and it's Aphrodite was on the side of the Trojans too? <clears throat> yes. And uh, Ares. So we've got those gods there. Then we've got uh, Athena and Hera on the side of the Greeks, it seems like, correct? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, really, so the interesting breakout. And I wonder, do they ever, Gary, uh, in, in anything you've read, explain why they broke off in different ways like that? No, I've, I've never seen an explanation why. Yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of dive into that. I mean, I know uh, one of the interpretation, interpretations that we made about Artemis was that she is a matron of the Amazons, and the Amazons were allied with the Trojans. So that definitely lines up. And uh, interestingly enough, Ares is also tied to the Amazons, and that lined up with the Trojans. So it's, it's, it's kind of interesting how the history and the mythology kind of coincide. So, okay, we've got the gods aligned. They're taking sides. What happens now? Well, then you have a reaction from uh, the god of the underworld, the kingdom of the dead, Hades. Mm-hmm. And so it says here, uh, the translation says, and terror struck in the underworld. Hades, lord of the dead, cringed and sprang from his throne and screamed shrill, 
fearing the god who rocks the ground above his realm, giant Poseidon, fearing he would burst the earth wide open now and lay bare to mortal men and immortal gods, at last the houses of the dead, the dank, the moldering horrors, and so on. So he's afraid that, you know, his world was going to be opened up to the upper world and everything. So, mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say, uh, you know, God against God. Uh, rearing against Lord Poseidon was Apollo. Bristling winged arrows, rearing against Ares, blazing-eyed Athena. Rearing against Hera is Artemis with the go- arrow of gold and a cry that hallows the hunt. So in Huntress of Phoebus, uh, which, which is really Athena, and the, and the distant deadly archer rearing against Leto, Hermes, uh, the god of luck, against the fire god, so it's it's a it's, this is a fun uh, sort of image that's being uh, unfurled for us because it's uh, Homer has now the gods lined up against each other in battle again. It just reminds me of if the Greeks versus the Trojans reminds me of a football game, American football. Then these gods against each other remind me of the superhero battles. It just reminds me of watching you know these these. Justice League versus the whatever bad guys they were lined up against or the Avengers or whomever. So it's a, this is a really fun. And I wonder again, just some conjecture out there. Why, what Homer is doing at this point, because again, when we talk about the movies today, they removed this element, but yet here we have it in really clear uh, pictures being shown to us of the gods and the importance of how, of of them lining up and the battle and the and the pageantry of it all. So there is so for Homer, the creative force, there is an important reason to highlight this and put this in. Just something for filmmakers and writers and others to think about. This is a central guiding force and theme in this work. So now the gods are fighting. So please continue. And I think the reason is is uh, Homer. Uh, wants to show that the gods are intimately involved with uh, human activities and behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that it's essential. Yes, uh, certainly. And, and, and how they, which particular gods are allied with which particular kinds of people or, or, you know, the Trojans versus the Greeks or the different heroes that are involved and the traits that we know based on those gods and goddesses. I can see him using that, right? Right. And, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, the Iliad and the Odyssey really were like the Bibles for ancient Greeks. That's where they learned about the gods and how they functioned. Mm-hmm. So these are like holy books, I think, I would say to the Greeks. Right, right. You know, not just stories. Yeah, giving the, the, the ancient person a sense of how the gods operate, what they're just you often telling a story rather than saying this is what the God is about or this is what the God does. The story will last with you longer. So you remember their traits and behaviors and you can use that as a frame of reference. Yeah. It's interesting. That That's right. And, um, and um, so the story goes on and then it talks about the uh, mortals. Um, and so it says Aries 
who hacks at men behind his rawhide shield. But Aeneas, now Aeneas is the prince of Troy, as you well know. And, uh, and, and then Phoebus, or Athena. Uh, oh, sorry, I had myself muted. You know I would have, would have jumped in there with your Aeneas reference, because there's an important aspect of Aeneas. And what do we know that is, Gary? So Aeneas is, uh, you know, according to Homer here, filled with power now and drove against Achilles. So he's going to take on Achilles. Well, I'm just saying, but uh, let's let's not let's let's skip over Gary. What's Aeneas's great? What's the the greatest part of the Aeneas story? Well, are you talking about Vir- Virgil's Aeneid? Of course, I am. We're talking <laughs> about the great Romans. All right, had to get that in. So he's 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 facing off against Achilles. So please continue. Yeah. Well, uh, just for everyone, uh, Aeneas is the prince of Troy. And according to Virgil, uh, I mean, he's mentioned in the Iliad, uh, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, according to Virgil and his epic, the Aeneid, uh, Aeneas survives the attack on Troy, and then he, quote, leads thousands of refugees, and they build ships, and they sail them across the GNC. Uh, and the, their voyages, you know, the first half of his epic – uh, is like the Odyssey. The second half is like the Iliad. Yeah, almost in reverse. So in other words, Aeneas uh, is the legendary founder of Troy. I mean, of Rome. Founder of Rome, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, so anyhow, um, so we then, had, you had him facing off against Achilles. That yeah. was last, but well, last week. But then Homer goes on to talk about, uh, you know, Achilles with Athena's help, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's, uh, so empowered that quote, that is why no mortal can fight Achilles head to head at every foray. One of the gods goes to him. So in other words, he's really supported by the gods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and interestingly, it mentions, uh, on the next page, uh, Aphrodite is a child of Zeus, um, and and then it mentions uh, uh, Thetis, the mother of Achilles, mm-hmm. uh, comes from quote the old man of the sea, and I think that's where Hemingway got a title for one of his books. Oh, that's interesting. I had had thought about that, but I suppose it could be likely. And so it goes on to say, you know, the, because Thetis is a sea nymph, right? Yes, right. And then, then it goes on to say, uh, uh, Athena wants let him know he's loved by the greatest gods on high. And then she so, goes on. Yeah, to, well, well, yeah, and, and not to. Just and then she goes on to condemn the other gods that support Troy. She says. While the guides, gods who up till now have shielded Troy from war and death are worthless as the wind. And of course, Achilles, I mean, he is anointed. I mean, in some sense, he, not in some sense, in the, in the direct sense, he is, you know, he can't fail. You know, he just has his one, of course, Achilles heel. So, he, yeah, he has the backing of the gods. It's, 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 a, it's a, 
again, another be- beautiful and brilliant take by Homer. You've got this great hero. Why is the hero so great? Well, a number of different reasons, but one of the things is he's got this divine spark of a warrior. So, and Homer gives us that character. I mean, again, I like to believe when we talk about these stories that one, as you and I both agree, that they are there is a history, an actual real history to them, that there is uh, a truth at their center. But I also, just as a creative person, like to think there is some that these the great writers like Homer channel some divine spark. They capture some of the other realms and other worlds that impact us every day. As, as Shakespeare says, there's more things in heaven and earth that Horatio that are dreamt of in your philosophies. So there are more things to me out there besides just the soil and the flesh and the ground that there's some other forms and energies that impact us. And I think great artists capture and channel that. And in, and, and in talking about Achilles, you get that sense, which I think is is really amazing. One of the one of the many things that makes Homer such a great writer. And then basically the uh, rest of the chapter is about the encounter between uh, Aeneas and uh, Achilles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, Achilles says, I blaze for battle and so on. Your taunts can't turn me back, you know. Um, and uh, interestingly, it mentions, you know, the involvement of the 12 gods. and. Uh, and so the thing is, uh, that's a sacred number, 12, as I keep saying, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Achilles is on the attack against Aeneas, and he says, Achilles' closing would have sliced his life away with a well-horned blade if the god of earthquakes had not marked it quickly and called the gods at once who grouped around him. Now I tell you, my heart aches for great Aeneas. He'll go down to the house of death this instant. Well, he, he doesn't really. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what happens? How does it unfurl? So, well, he's, he's, Aeneas, he's in Aeneas the line of is not killed by, uh, you know, Achilles. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Achilles, you know, uh, it, it mentions Hector coming into the into the fray, uh, spurring his men, while Hector, of flash and armor, urged his Trojans, thinking he'd even go up against Achilles. And he says, uh, no fear now, my gallant Trojans. I too could battle the deathless gods with words. It's hard to, it's hard with a spear. The gods are so much stronger. Not even Achilles can bring off all his, all his boasts. Some he'll accomplish, some cut short, half done. I'm off to engage the man. Though his fists are fire, though his fists are fire and his fury burnished iron. So so Achilles is fighting Aeneas, and now Hector is going to come in and, you know, tag like a tag team, tag off, and then he's going to take on Achilles. Yeah. Is that what, what I'm hearing? Okay. But they, they don't really fight in, in, in the chapter. Right. We just see that that gets transitioned. So do, do we, does but it Homer does, it say does mention what? that Achilles uh, kills other Trojans. Polydorus, is one, uh, son of Priam, is one of them. Mm-hmm. And it says, uh, but Hector, seeing his own brother Polydorus clutching his entrails, sinking limp to the ground, a mist came swirling down his eyes as well. He could bear no more, wheeling off at a distance. Shaking his wetted spear, he charged Achilles now. Coming fierce as fire, but Achilles marked him quickly, and springing forth to take him, triumphed to himself. You know, And then he says, here is a man who raked my heart the most. 
who killed my cherished comrade, you know, the, the, the great friend and probably lover of uh, Achilles, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And no more delay, dodging each other down the passageway of battle. Under his brows, he glared at Royal Hector, shouting, Quick, charge me, the sooner to meet your death. But Hector, his helmet flashing, never flinched. And then he yells out, Don't think for a moment, Achilles, son of Peleus, you can frighten me with words like a child, a fool. So anyhow, mm-hmm. they they brandish their, their shafts and they hurl them at each other and so on. But Athena, you know, helps Achilles, you know. And uh, and then it mentions three times uh, Achilles charged them with his uh, bronze spear. Three times he sliced at a cloud. See, uh, Hector's being protected. Okay, so Athena is jumping in on Achilles' part. Right. Who, who's protecting Hector? Does it say who's protecting Hector? Um, I'm not really finding it here. Sorry. Okay. That's so. So one of the it has to be some someone it's, like Artemis or Ares. Gods, you know, yeah, Artemis or Ares or pro- Aphrodite. Someone is probably uh, Poseidon is protecting. Oh, Poseidon too, of course. But uh, so they uh, they take him away in a mist. But anyhow, as I quoted earlier. You know, three times Achilles sliced at, at, at a cloud. And three is another sacred number. And then he goes on to say, you know, he, he killed other Trojans, Dryops, uh, the sons of Bias. There's uh, two of them and uh, killed, uh, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, Ekeklis or something like this, you know. So these are the people getting, these are the Trojans being laid waste. He just said his, his whole blade ran hot with blood and red death came plunging down his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then the, it ends basically with this. Achilles now, uh, like in human fire raging on through the mountain gorges, splinter dry, settling ablaze big stands of timber. The wind swirling the huge fireball left and right, chaos of fire. Achilles storming on with that brandished spear, like a frenzied god of battle trampling all he killed, and the earth ran black with blood. So it's uh, it's a pretty, uh, I think, interesting chapter. It shows the interaction of the gods and men, like we said earlier, and I think it's really great. It's a, it is. It's a, it's a, just a extremely well described a very picturesque chapter and also obviously brutal gruesome at times so great so we're almost at the end of the book but this is chapter 20 yes so we'll we have four more chapters left four more um, yes four more chapters left so we're coming towards the end so uh again i want to thank dr gary stickle And thank you, the listener. Uh, you're taking this journey with us. We're almost at the end of this epic battle. This is the chapter 20 of the Iliad. This is Classical Studies 101. My name is Sean Marlon Newcomb. You are listening to the 34th Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel. Thank you all for listening, and God bless. Mm-hmm.